Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, open your Bible this morning to uh, the book of 1 Corinthians and go with me over to the third chapter of 1 Corinthians. I want to pick up where... Uh, where I was last Sunday, last Sunday morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we're going to begin reading in, well, we're just going to start in verse number 16, but I want you to hold your place there. I want you to turn over to the sixth chapter of 1 Corinthians. And go to verse number 19, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own? You are bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirits, which are God's. Now here the Apostle Paul is talking about the fact that our bodies, I'm talking about our physical bodies, individually our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The reason for that is the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us in our spirit and our body is very much the temple of our our human spirit. It's the house of our human spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us and so our bodies are each one of us, our bodies are the temple of of God. Now, when you stop and think about it, that's very sobering. Or it should be. It should make a difference in how we live and what we do in and with our bodies. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive the things done in the body, whether good or bad. So it matters how we behave. Amen. So that's talking about our physical bodies being the temple of the Holy Spirit. Turning back to the third chapter, we won't go into all of the, into all of the context we did last week. But if you look at the context, you'll find out here when he talks about the, about the temple of God, he's not talking about individuals here, the individual believer. He's talking about the church collectively being the temple of God. And... I know I've, I talk about this sometimes, but it, it's, it, you can't really emphasize this too much because this, this distinction I'm about to talk about, you've heard it, but most people don't understand it. And that is that the, that the concept of the church to the first generation believers, the believers of the first century and even into the second century and a little beyond that, the idea of the church and the word church first and foremost called attention to their local assembly. The Bible teaches the reality of the universal church made up of all believers everywhere in the world and and those who have gone to heaven who were Christians, they're part of the church too. Part of the church is in heaven and part of the church is here. And one day the church will be reunited whenever we are called away to be with the Lord. So the, the Bible teaches the universal church 
but the understanding of the universal church. In other words, the evolution of the doctrine of the church, of the universal church, didn't take place until quite a few years after these documents were written. It was after the first century. That doesn't mean that the truth wasn't there. It was in the scriptures. They just didn't really see it and begin to develop an understanding of that until later. I think it was, I think possibly, I want to say the fourth century. It was either the second or the fourth century before the actual doctrine of the universal church began to gain traction in the church. It is true it was there all the time. They just didn't see it because the first and foremost thing that every Christian understood when they heard the word church, they didn't think the universal church. They thought of their local church because the word drew attention to the fact that they had been called together to meet in God's presence. So when here, here when he's talking about the church, he's talking primarily about the local church. He's talking about the church at Corinth. He was talking to them about their situation. Well, we do know this, that whatever was true of the church of Corinth, what belonged to them belongs to us. Isn't that right? So he says, do you not know that you are, talking about the church, you are the temple of God and that his spirit dwells in you? See, the, the church collected, the church universally is the temple of God. We know that's true. But the local church, every local assembly that is called together of God. Now, there are some assemblies that I don't know whether they're called of God or not. God, has, for a church to be a legitimate church, God has to call it together. A group of people don't just get together and decide they're going to have a church. Now, people do it, but that doesn't mean God honors it. Amen. Amen. But a church that a group of believers that have been called together by God as a local church, that church collectively is the temple of God. We saw that last week. So we want to go a little bit further and develop this a little more today. Now in this passage here, it says, let's go back up to, to the verses before that. Starting in verse 9. In the latter part of verse 9, it says, you are God's, talking about the church at Corinth, you are God's building. Now notice this. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, the apostle Paul, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, now another, notice, and another builds on it. Another builds on it. That word indicates continual action. He said another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. He's talking about other ministers. He was using uh, Apollos as an example of, of someone, another minister who, who built on the foundation he laid. He said, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, hay, wood, straw, each one's, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. A reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet so as through fire. The point that I want you to see is that the building is still going on. Yeah. I'm talking about the verb. Yeah. 
The building process is going on. Paul said, I laid the foundation and others will build on it. Well, we're still building on that foundation. Amen. He was The builders he's talking about here were other ministers. Well, today as a pastor and other people in the five-fold ministry offices, we're still building on the foundation that the apostle Paul and the other apostles and prophets laid. So you could say it like this, we are the temple of God locally as a church, but it's a, it's a temple under construction. God is still building this local church. God is still working on this church. God is still working on us. We haven't reached perfection. We haven't reached everything we're going to reach. God has more he wants to do. Now the work that I'm doing, I'm not laying brick and mortar. I'm not slinging a hammer and pulling a saw. I'm laying, I'm building and, and, and laying brick upon brick upon brick in the spirit realm. And all of us, as we act on the word collectively as a church, and when we come together and, and we worship God and we, and we come together in a spirit of unity and we're looking out for one another and loving one another, all of that is part of the process of building this church. We are very much a work in progress. He is not through with this church. Now, we all, we all like to say, you know, about ourselves, well, God's not through with me. You know, I might not be perfect, but God's not through with me. Sometimes we use that as a cop-out, you know. But it's true, God's not through with you. But he's not through with us either. He's not through with this body, this local temple of God. He, he still has some things that, that he wants to do, and all of us are a part of that process. Amen. Glory to God. Go with me over to Matthew, the 16th chapter. Matthew 16. And let's look at something that Jesus said. Matthew chapter 16. Verse 18. Jesus said, I say to you that you are Peter. He was talking to Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. I will build my church. Jesus is still building his church. It's his church. He's, he is the foundation. He is the cornerstone. But he, through ministers and through all of us collectively, he's still building his church universally, but he's still building the local church. Amen. If you want to know what God is doing today, God is building strong local churches that know how to flow with the Holy Ghost. That's what he's doing. And that's what the Lord Jesus is doing. He's at the right hand of the Father. He is, he is calling and equipping and raising up ministers to build his church. If you really want to be Christ-like, if you want to really be like Jesus, get involved in doing what he's doing. 
If you want to be like Jesus, if you really want to be like him, get involved in helping build the local church. Amen. A lot of people have the idea that they can, you know, that they're just sort of on their own and that they can live for God like, I don't know who was saying that earlier or whoever it was. You know, you can't do that. Was that you? You don't even know what you said, do you? She talked about this, I know, on Wednesday night. You can't, a lot of people believe they can just live for the Lord in isolation of other believers. Well, you can be saved and God loves you. And if you believe on Jesus and, and take him as your Lord and Savior, you can be saved and all of that and you'll go to heaven. But you're not really helping Jesus with the program he's involved in. The, the local church is God's provision for every believer. I think I said this last week. There is no provision in the New Testament. You do not see the concept in the New Testament of believers just living perpetually outside of a local church. That concept just doesn't even exist. You can't find it. Now, I'm not saying people don't do it, and, and there may be a time when someone moves from one place to another and they don't really know where to go to church or trying to find a church so forth, you know, that you, you might not know for a little while. But God's plan is for every Christian to be in, in a local church, but to be involved in a local church. Not just attend, but actually be involved. In other words, contribute to the building of that church. Amen. It's what God's doing. If you want to be like Jesus, that's what you'll be doing too. Now go with me over to Ephesians, the second chapter. Ephesians chapter two. Now again, when Paul wrote these epistles, on the one hand, we know that he wasn't just writing from his own mental uh, understanding. He was writing these things as he was moved on by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit overshadowed these writers of the New Testament and as they were, as they were writing these documents, God was pouring his life and his revelation for the church through them. And that's why these, these, the, the, the Bible says that all the word of God is given by inspiration. The scriptures are given by inspiration of God. That means they're God-breathed. Now, when, when, when the early church received one of these epistles, here he wrote this epistle to the church at Ephesus. When they received this epistle, they, they, understood, it that, they understood that it was written to them. Now, as the awareness of the word of God and the fact that, that this was actually not just Paul, this was the word of God, as the awareness of this began to, to resonate in the church, then these epistles started being passed around from church to church. They would send couriers to take the epistle that God wrote to the, to the Ephesians over to Philippi. And the, church, the, the letter that he wrote to Philippi would, would make its way over to the church at Ephesus. And they would share these things because they understood that it applied to all of them. But it applied to them in a local setting. Okay? 
So I want you to notice, he said, in, let's start in verse number 19. This is Ephesians 2, 19. Now, therefore, you, now who is you? <laughs> who is you? You, in this, in this verse, is the local church. At Ephesus, it would be true of, of, of the church at Philippi or, or Thessalonica or High Springs. Impact, Baptist church, it doesn't make any difference. He said, now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Now when he talks about the fact that you, the church at Ephesus, or the church in, here at Impact, that we are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints. That gives the concept of the universal church. We are, we are fellow members with the saints and members, or fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. That's casting this idea that you're involved in something that's bigger than just the local church. There is a fellowship of believers all over the world. And, and, and Christians belong to, to different churches. There are a number of different local churches right here in our own community. And to the, extent, to the extent that a church has been raised up by God and people attending those church uh, uh, know God or born again, we are members one another with them in the universal church. We're all members of the household of God. So that's what he's talking about. Now, like I said, it took the early church a little while to even grasp the idea that there was a universal church, but that's exactly what he's talking about. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And that's what Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 when he said, I laid the foundation, another man has to take heed how he builds on it. Here he said it a little bit different, that it's built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Then in verse 21, he says, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Where it says the whole building, literally in the original Greek, it literally says every building. You could say it like that. In whom every building. The uh, American Standard Version says each several building. Well, what would, that, what would that be referring to? That would be referring to each individual local church. Each local church, he said, are being fitted together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord. That holy temple is the universal church. Every local church is a building of God, not a brick and mortar building, a spiritual building. Every local church, every every. Uh, each several building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Listen, God is not pitting local churches against one another. 
He, God is not pitting local churches against one another. He's fitting local churches together. We're not in competition with other churches. We have our mandate. We have our calling. Other churches have their mandate, their calling. We have those God has, has assigned to be in this church. They have those God has assigned to be in that church, but we're not in competition. The local churches are supposed to complement one another, not compete with one another. We are to honor other churches. We are to honor other Christians. We were at lunch one day, Pastor Greg, Steve, me, and I think our wives, we were somewhere at a restaurant. Well, on Thursday, we have a staff lunch. We go out usually to Gainesville and have lunch. And I don't know if we were, we must have been around here somewhere. Maybe we were local. But a man came up to our table that knew Steve. He was from another local church. And in this local church, they, they had... They had organized this uh, sort of like uh, block parties, but each the, they had different key members of their church were having these, like they weren't black, block parties per se. They were really an outreach of their local church. They were having a party at their house and then they would invite the, the people in their neighborhood to come to their backyard barbecue and, and it was, they invited their, you know, their little community, but it was an outreach of their church. The design was to, to get people in their church, get them acquainted with this person. Oh, well, you know, we, glad you come over here, have a hot dog, and let me tell you about my church. Well, we're at lunch. You remember this? This, this man, new Steve, he came up and, and he started talking to him. And Steve, he knows Steve is on staff in this church full-time staff member. So he invites Steve to his backyard barbecue and said, bring your whole family, bring your wife, your kids. It'll be great. We're gonna have a great time. We're just gonna eat a lot of food. And, and Brother Steve said, well, you know, I'm a member at Impact. Oh, I know. He said, but just come on anyway. It'll be great. Just bring your family and your friends. Just invite everybody to come. That's called proselytizing. Because the intent was not to just give Steve a hot dog. The intent, and, and there's nothing wrong with, with inviting unchurched people. That's what you ought to do. If you're gonna do something like that, reach out to unchurched people. But this particular church, <clears throat> they've instructed their, their uh, members to go after everybody. They have no respect. Now, I'm not telling you who it is, so I'm not calling names. They have no respect or honor for any church except theirs because they would try to get you out of your church, disconnect you from your church, and come to their church. Now, you see, if, if I couldn't do that, unless I believed that my church was the only church and that I was the only legitimate pastor and that nobody else was doing anything for God and all the other churches were a waste of time, that's the only way in good conscience 
I could do what they do. Of course, I know better than that. Now, there are other churches, I, I had no intention of going down this road, but there are other churches that don't believe like we believe. They don't have the revelation of some of the things we have revelation on. That doesn't make us special. It just, it just we're fortunate that we've seen some things. We can't, we can't cop an attitude that we're somebody because we know so much less than there is to know. I mean, we know so little when you think about it. So we have nothing to boast on, but we do know that we've seen certain things that, that maybe other people haven't seen about our rights in Christ and what belongs to us and, and, the, and the certainty of his will to heal and, and to prosper and to fill with the Holy Spirit. We, those things are dear to us and we know other people could be blessed if they saw those things. That doesn't make their church illegitimate. There are a lot of people in other churches who frankly, because of tradition, because of the way they've been raised, because of their parents and grandparents and their whole uh, uh, church upbringing, they would, they would, unless God just miraculously revealed truth to them, just, I mean, just opened their heart up and just poured it in. They're not seeking for more. They're, 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 they're and I don't mean this in a, in a sarcastic way, they are closed-minded, closed to certain truths. They're never gonna see what we see. Unless, huh? They're satisfied where they are. I'm not being, I'm not being critical. In a sense, you're satisfied where you are. Not saying there's anything wrong with that. They're, they're satisfied. They're not pushing or pulling for more. And unless God would just really miraculously move, they're, they're not going to see the things that we see. Not saying that anybody, anybody can receive revelation, but not everybody's going to. And some people would not flourish in our church. Some people would not flourish in our church because we would be, I know this sounds haughty, I don't mean it to be, but some of you, when you, when you first came to a full gospel church, some of you were kind of blown away. Some of you were shocked. <laughs> Lori's, <laughs> I remember the first time I saw you. The first time I saw Lori, she's this Catholic girl and she looked like she was shell-shocked. She, she just sat here at church like, what am I in? Some people are open to receive. Some people aren't. And for me to go after somebody in another church that God, God has planted people in those churches no, no, it wasn't just the people decided to go, just like he works with us and bringing people into this church. God has planted people in these other churches. They've been planted by the Spirit of God. How dare another Christian try to unroot them and get them to come to this church? I'm all about getting the unchurched but I'm all against 
trying to uproot other people and get them into my church. It's not ethical. It shows a disregard for the other buildings. It shows a disregard for the other churches that we are fitted together and we grow together as one holy temple in the Lord. It's divisive and it's wrong. And, and Steve said, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm on staff at Impact. I go to Impact, you know. Oh, that's okay. I mean, this man, it, it went right over him. Just went right over his head. Didn't even phase him. He had no idea what, what Steve was trying to tell him. There is a universal body of Christ and as local churches, we need to respect other churches. Amen. Now, I know that not a lot of people, not, there's not very many pastors preach what I just preached. Now, now there, there, are, there are a lot of congregations that may be not as, as overt and, and uh, uh, radical about it as the church I just, just described, that they just intentionally go after people. But there are churches that just, if you walk in the door, you're fair game. And, you know, just because somebody visits our church, we say, well, they visited, they, you know, they, they, you know, most pastors say, if you come through that door, I'm going to lasso you. I'm going to reel you in, you know. <laughs> but I know enough to know that not everybody comes through that door is supposed to come through that door. What if somebody comes through that door that's mad with their pastor? They got offended because the pastor said something that they didn't like and preached something that they, didn't, that they didn't like or somebody did something to them and they're mad and out of rebellion and immaturity and childishness, they show up in my church. Now we, we as, a, as, a, as a church, as a congregation, my wife and I, we go in the lobby, we greet visitors. We, wanna, we want people to, hey, I'm glad you're here. You know, thank you for coming, all that. But then we, we try to ask a few questions. You know, where you're from, what's your story, without prying too much. And sometimes people will say, well, you know, we go to such and such a church and, uh, you know, we just decided to come over here. And my wife and I always will always say, well, you know, make sure you find where God has for you. And if you're, and if you're plugged into another church, you need to stay there unless God tells you to leave. We're very careful to do that. But not many pastors, they don't teach this in Bible school. They didn't teach it when I went to Bible school. This is something that, that, that the Lord has shown me and, and very early on in, in, in my pastoring, uh, pastoral work that you don't go after other people's sheep. It's wrong. Jesus said it like this, do unto others as, they do, as you would have them do unto you. I don't want, I don't want you visiting another church and having everybody, you know, swarm over you and just tell you, you know, yo, yeah, you need to come over here. We got a great church, you know. And all. Uh, I, don't, I don't want that. Come on now. So I'm not going to do that to other people. I'm just going to be welcoming and, and polite. And, and if people are here legitimately, they don't have a church or, or they really have been unplugged from another church for some reason, you know, uh, there are a lot of reasons people come in and a lot of them are good reasons, but they're not all good reasons. Besides, I don't want somebody in my church that's in strife with their pastor because I know it ain't going to be very long. They're going to be in strife with me. 
Well, that's the truth. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Might not take them too long at all. <laughs> Praise God. Where was I? I think I was in verse 21. In whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Now notice right here in the next two words, the thought pivots. It's, it's real subtle, but when you see it, it just stands out to you. In whom you also. See, verse 21, he's talking about how all the local, bill, all the local churches, all the, uh, the various uh, and sundry buildings being fitted together grows into one holy temple in the Lord. That's universal church. In whom you at Ephesus. In whom you also are being built together for a dwelling. Has to be talking about something different or he wouldn't have said you also because he says the same thing in verse 22 about you also that he said in verse 21. So he's talking about the church at Ephesus and he said in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. That's what a local church is. It's a dwelling place for God in and by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let me read you a couple of translations. Well, I'll just read one. To make a, this is the Canterbury translation. It says, to make a house wherein God may dwell by the presence of his spirit. That's what a local church is. It's not, people sometimes say, well, I'm against, you know, organized church. I'm against, I don't believe you have to belong to a church. God ordained the local church. He's talking about it right here. And here's what a local church is all about. You are being built together, you, you local church at Ephesus, you are being built together for a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit, a place where the Holy Spirit can dwell. Now, we know he dwells in each one of us individually. He, he dwells in you when you go home individually. He dwells in you on Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday. He dwells in you wherever you go but he calls people to assemble together so that he can dwell among us in a different way. We refer to it sometimes as the corporate, the corporate anointing. The corporate anointing. What does that mean? That means the anointing of the spirit, the anointing of the spirit that dwells within all of us together as one temple of God. The corporate anointing <clears throat> is greater than the individual anointing. The Holy Spirit <clears throat> can work in a greater way corporately among us than he can individually in us. Because we all bring the new, and it, and it describes this as a supply we all bring a supply of the Spirit. When we come, we, we all bring our own uh, capacity for the Holy Spirit. And the more Spirit-filled you are individually helps the, the whole church be Spirit-filled. 
But there, there is, God, God has things that he wants to do and can only do in the corporate setting. I'm gonna say that again, that's, that's, that, that's good. There are things that God wants to do that he can only do in the corporate setting. There are things that can take place when we assemble together as the local church that will never take place in a Bible study, in just a group of believers who decide to get together and, and quote unquote have church. God calls bodies together and not everybody who assembles together have been called together. I wish I had another hour, but I don't. Praise the Lord. There, I'm telling you, God wants to take not just our church, every church, to a higher level. He wants to take every church. He wants to take all, the whole body of Christ up another notch. Well, we can't, we can't yield to God for other churches. They'll have to do that themselves. But we can yield to him for ourselves. For what he wants to do here, we can let him do what he wants to do among us. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. And that's where we're going. In the Old Testament, God's glory manifested in the temple. God's presence, God's glory. That's what the local church, not the only reason, but that's a fundamental reason for the local church is to house the glory of God, to be a place where God's glory is in manifestation, where his spirit and his power is free to move among us. Oh, hallelujah. Do you want it? Do you want more of God? Do you want a greater anointing? Do you want a greater demonstration of his spirit? Oh, hallelujah. It's, 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 we're going there. We're going there. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Let's stand. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Ta-da. There you go. Sounds better. Oh, we worship you, Lord. 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 Glory, 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 glory. We worship you, Father. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. We honor you. We glorify you, Father. Father, as a local church, we yield ourselves to the work of the Spirit for the Holy Spirit to have his way to do in us what he wants to do, to shape us, to take us into, into a greater yieldedness, and into a greater harmony with the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
that when we go from these times of assembling together, that your presence and your glory would be so on us that it would make us irresistible to other people who are, who are lost. People who don't know you, who don't know what belongs to them. They've never heard that Jesus not only saves, but he heals, delivers, and prospers, and, and blesses, and grants, uh, the, meets every need in life. It's not enough to know these things. We know, we know that, Father, because we, we know a lot. It's not enough to know a lot. Father, it takes the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit resting upon us. We, we will be more filled with the Spirit individually when we're more filled with the Spirit corporately. We'll be more filled with the Spirit individually when we're more filled with the Spirit corporately. We'll be more filled with the Spirit individually when we become more filled with the Spirit corporately. We will be a greater witness to this world when we allow a greater witness on the inside of us and in our local churches. Because your presence, Father, makes people irresistible. Your presence and your spirit upon a person draws the lost. It draws the hungry. It draws the downtrodden. It draws those who are broken and hurting in a way no doctrine can ever do. So Father, take us into this place of greater yieldedness, greater cooperation, greater yieldedness and greater cooperation with the Holy Spirit. We're going to learn it together, Father. Together, we're going to step up into, into greater dimensions of your glory and presence. And it will enrich our lives, but it's more, this about more than enriching our lives. It's equipping us. It's equipping us to minister to other people. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you for it, Father. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's what God's doing. That's what God's doing. I tell you, it's... Can hardly take it in. Can hardly take it in. What God wants to do. I wonder... I wonder what a local church would really look like if it was filled with people who were wholly given over to the Holy Ghost. Whew. Wholly, completely surrendered to the move of God. I don't believe, I don't believe you could keep people out of this building. 
if we had that kind of a demonstration of God's power. I don't believe there's, I don't believe we could quickly get enough chairs in here. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Father, we just, we're humbled, Father, when we realize your plan is so great. And what are we, who are we that you would be mindful of us? Who are we that that we would be a part of such a, a big thing? such an enormous, such a wonderful, powerful thing. But we are. You chose us. You've chosen other people in other churches just as much. We're not different, but you chose us. And Father, we make a commitment today to step into everything you have for us. Glory to God. Amen. Do you agree with that? Amen. Well, praise the Lord. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.